For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Right. Good morning, Spring Branch. How are we today? Come on. Are you excited to be here today? This is the final Sunday of January 2020, and you came here, and uh, we're going to have a great time together. Thank you, Troy and Shay, for leading us in worship. We have been uh, journeying through 21 days of prayer. What better way to start this new year, this new decade, and this new season as a church than on our knees in prayer, Right? The last 21 days, we have gathered here corporately during the week, and uh, uh, we've, we've gathered together uh, in, in prayer with a specific focus for each day for 21 days. Some of you have fasted. Um, we've had just an incredible time together devoting ourselves and our church to the Lord the last 21 days. What if we had 365 days of prayer, right? 24-7, uh, we are pursuing God in prayer, because before we do anything as a church, this year. Before we do anything as husbands, as fathers, as individuals, we want to commit ourselves to the Lord in prayer. This past Friday night, we had a couple hundred people in this space singing and worshiping and praying together. We heard testimonies, just some amazing transformation uh, uh, stories, just awesome time together. So we want to continue to to do that uh, every now and then, come together in prayer and in worship. Um, Sunday mornings, Uh, are a space for that as well. Uh, So let me pray together and we'll get things started. God, thanks so much uh, for prayer. Thank you that we can come to you um, and ask for wisdom. We can ask for power. We can ask for strength. Uh, We need you. We need you, God. And so meet us right where we are this morning. In the middle of our discouragement, whatever we're dealing with this morning, God, meet us personally and meet us powerfully. God, thank you for what a privilege it is to come together as one body under one name, and that is you, Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Amen. 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 Well, the last few weeks we've been in this series called Pray, and the first week we talked about praying for power. We've been journeying through Paul's letters, and Paul prayed the first week for, uh, for the, the church to have power. Anybody need power to overcome temptation, power to forgive, power to be patient? God's power exists within each and every one of us. How dare we try to live on our own strength, our own power? His dunamis, explosive, dynamite power lives within within each and every one of us. It's an amazing thing. And then the second week, uh, we prayed that we would be active in sharing our faith. We'd be active in sharing our faith. And it's not just this private, individual belief that we have. It's to be shared It's to be expressed through our words and through our actions, to be active in sharing our faith, to have an outward focus, to to look to serve others and not ourselves. And then last week we talked about one word, unity, unity. One of my favorite messages uh, since I've been here, it's a message about being unified, and when we're unified, God is what? 
glorified. Yes, somebody was listening to that last week. Thank you. When we are unified, God is glorified. Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would be unified, that we would set aside our preferences in order to achieve his purpose. And so today, we're going to be talking about one question, one question. How can I know what is best? How do I know what is best? Raise your hand if you've ever asked that question. You're confronted with some kind of decision. Raise it up high. How do I know what's best? How do I know what's best? Keep your hands up. How do I know what's best? Because we're going to judge everybody who don't have their hands up. All right? Don't ask them for advice because they never need help knowing what, what is best. Just kidding, but not really. Um, how do I know what is best? Did you know that we have, on average, 35,000 decisions that we make every day? 35,000 decisions we make every day. What outfit to wear? It could be as small as that. It could be as big as, should I keep this job? Should I stay in this job? Should I move somewhere? Should I stay? Should I invest money? Should I not invest money? Should I stay in this relationship? Should I leave this relationship? Anybody have decision fatigue, <laughs> right? At the end of the day, we're just like, ah, ah, ah. Lindsay and I went away uh, to Florida a couple months ago, and we turned our adulting switch off, and it was a beautiful thing. Anybody know what that is? Like, you go away on vacation, you just, you set aside all responsibilities, you just zone out, unplug, disconnect, and it's this glorious time where you can forget about being an adult and all the responsibilities that go with it. But you come back to reality, and you're like, oh, man, here we go, okay. Decisions, decisions, decisions. But I believe that, there, there, that there's one question that if we were to ask it, um, and we're, as we're confronted with these decisions, that could just be a game changer. What is best? This moment, this crossroads where I find myself, what is best? What is honoring to God? That's the ultimate question, right? Andy Stanley calls it the best question ever. What is most honoring to God? Not what is easiest, what is safest, what's the most satisfying, what, what will help me make the most money, what avoids conflict the most. I'm guilty of asking all those questions when I'm confronted with a decision. What feels good in the moment? No, God wants us to ask this question. What? is best, what is excellent, what honors him. And it's more than just right versus wrong. I believe that when we ask that question, it will take us places we would never consider going on our own, right? It'll take our devotion to God to a whole nother level. We'll consider options that any ordinary average person would never consider, because we're, we're centering our life around what God desires, what honors God. And so Paul prays this prayer to the church in Philippi. He prays this prayer, verse 9, chapter 1. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Remember, we've been journeying through these letters uh, from Paul. Most of the letters are written to whole communities, these churches. Um, a couple weeks ago, we talked about a letter that was written to a specific person. That was Philemon. But Paul has these specific prayers. 
He has these big prayers, these specific, faith-filled, passionate prayers. He knows that God is good. He knows that God is big and powerful. And so he doesn't just come to God with these little, safe, warm and fuzzy, cute prayers. (laughs) That sounds kind of silly, but I'm guilty of going to God and just saying, hey, God, could you just be with me and you just bless that and protect us, keep us safe and amen. Thanks for this food and bless it to the nourishment of our bodies which I joked a couple weeks ago that I heard somebody pray that recently as we were about ready to eat greasy pizza and fried cheese curds, right? God, do a miracle. Bless this food, the nourishment of my body, right? Anyway, get sidetracked. But God wants us to pray these big, faith-filled, specific, passionate prayers because he's a big God who can do the impossible. He's waiting for us to come to him with faith. So he prays this specific prayer to the church in Philippi, that your love, your agape love, it's this Greek word, maybe you've heard of it, it's this Greek word that is chock full of grace and forgiveness. It's this unconditional commitment. It's not this contractual love. It's not this conditional love based on performance. It's this, it's this real, raw, pure love that we don't earn, we don't deserve and it's straight from the heart of God. God fills us with that agape love, the love for him and love for others. That's what we all want. And that's my goal as a preacher up here on the stage is to help us grasp how wide and how deep and how big the love is of God. Yes, we should learn more and grow in our knowledge and depth of insight, but only as a result of our love for God. Our pursuit of knowledge should be because we love God and want to know this God who saved us and who redeemed us from sin. That your love may abound, that it may overflow. It may overflow. I love visual aids because it helps us remember what we're talking about. So many of us are walking through life like this. There's no water in this glass. We're walking through life and we're making some big time decisions. We're making some game changing decisions. Which school our kids should go to or should we live here or live there or what job should we have or how much money should we invest? And we're making all these like big time decisions with an empty glass. Now what do you mean, Heath? Well, I mean, we're we're not asking for wisdom. We're not seeking godly counsel. We're not slowing down long enough to be in his word and hear his voice and and hear his guidance. We're just making decisions based on our guts, what feels good, what feels right in the moment, or based on my experience. Be careful. Be careful not to make decisions apart from the Holy Spirit, apart from the wisdom of God in order to discern what is best and what is excellent. May we overflow, may we overflow with the love of God. As we make decisions in life, what if we looked like this? What if we looked like this? The stakes are too high for me as a husband and as a father to to be going about making decisions on empty, 
as a husband, as a dad, as a pastor of this church, I want to be making decisions with a cup that is overflowing with his love so that I may have a depth of knowledge and insight. I don't want to be making decisions out of my flesh or my own selfish agenda or what feels good or what's easy or what's safe. I want to be making decisions because it's best, because it's honoring to God and because I love him so much and I know he loves me. That you may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. It's just overflowing to the brim, overflowing Love and knowledge of depth of insight so that, this is the hinge on the door, right? And all these prayers from Paul. I pray this specific thing so that. And Paul, Paul gives God, like God would need it, a vision of the future. Like, hey, I'm praying for this so that. So that you may be able to discern what is best. See, God's love within us, it transforms our minds and our hearts in such a way that when we're confronted with these decisions, things become a little clearer. And who's thankful that we serve a God not of confusion, not a God who wants to keep the waters muddy. We serve a God who wants to be clear. He wants to make things as clear as possible to us. Yes, there's always some unknown, right? There's always faith required, but God wants to, to make things clear to us about the path that we should go. What is best? So that you may be able to, you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ so that we will become more and more like Jesus. See, our, our, our decisions, that the series of decisions that we make throughout life really uh, contributes to the person that we're becoming. Where you are right now January 26, 2020, at 11.35 a.m., you are the direct result, the direct product of all the decisions that you've made prior to this day. Encouraging or discouraging, <laughs> right? Like, you are the perfect product. Your plan has worked out accordingly. Based on all the decisions that you made up to this point, you are who you are. I have... I have led my wife and my family based on the decisions that I've made prior to this day. How are you making decisions? How are you discerning what is best? Are you going to God for wisdom and direction? Because the stakes are too high. This phrase, discern, discern what is best, it's this Greek word, dakamazo. I probably pronounced that incredibly wrong. Uh, but dakamazo, this Greek word, it means to approve what is excellent. To approve what is excellent. It's not just deciphering what is right and what is wrong. It's, it's, it's what's the best thing, right? Paul says somewhere in Corinthians, he says, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial, right? Just because you're allowed to do something, just because you can do something, it doesn't mean it's the best thing. It's the most beneficial thing thing, what is most honoring to God. And so we pray about it, we investigate, we research, we assess the pros and the cons, and, because we want to do what honors God. Maybe it's a relationship that you have with your spouse or with a coworker or a friend, or maybe it's how you spend your money, how you invest your time. 
Whatever it is, we have decisions that we make every day. Are we honoring God? Are we discerning what is best? Here's the bottom line this morning, guys. If you are zoning out and dreaming of what you're gonna have for lunch, uh, just listen to this. I can tell you're all on the edge of your seat, right? Bottom line, knowing God is how we know what's best. It's not complicated. There's no magic sauce, right? (laughs) There's no perfect formula other than know God. When you know the heart of God, you will know what to do. When you know who God is, you will know what it is to do. And this word know, it's this intimate, personal, unified connection with God. Many of us know Sunday School Answers and you know, we know about God. He's kind of our acquaintance. But this word know is this intimate, personal, daily relationship with God. Do you know your creator? Do you know your savior and your sustainer? Are you in step with him? Are you in sync with him? Are you joined at the hip with God because of all the time you're spending with him? When you know God, the heart of God, you can't help but make decisions that are excellent, that are the best, that are honoring to him. First, we know God through people. So how do we know God? Well, there's three different ways to know God and as a result to know his will and his plan. The first is to know God through people. Many of us have received wise counsel through other people. I know I have. I know how I have. In a very uh, uh, lighthearted way a few few years ago, I uh, was giving a talk to a bunch of students. I was a youth pastor for a long time, and somebody came up to me afterwards and said, Heath, you did a great job sharing God's word, good humor, good illustrations. But there was one thing that was a little distracting. (laughs) And they asked me, Heath, have you been working out? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you you noticed? They're like, yeah, you you were flexing your tricep the entire time you were talking. (laughs) I had a t-shirt on, it was the summer, and apparently I was giving my talk just flexing my right tricep the entire time and feeling it, (laughs) right? I had no idea that I was doing it. I was so embarrassed. So embarrassed. That explains why nobody was like looking in my eyes as I was talking to them. But uh, that feedback, it hurt a little bit right away because I was a little embarrassed. Uh, But I was thankful that they told me because it prevented me from doing it the next time. So so next week, if I end up doing this, this flexing and feeling my my muscle, just please, please, somebody let me know. Um, Wise counsel. Proverbs says, open rebuke is hidden love. Open rebuke is hidden love. We need other people to come to us out of love to correct us. Not because they've got it all together, but because they love us. Another proverb says, open, uh, it says, open wound can be trusted. It says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Uh, That that moment, it feels like an open wound, right? Like somebody somebody comes to you and it's like, it hurts. It feels like you just got wounded. But you can trust it because that person is coming to you as a friend, coming to you as a friend and looking out for what's best. 
We need other people to, to help correct us and, and rebuke us and help steer us in the right direction because I don't know about you, I can, be, I can have narrow, uh, a narrow-minded tunnel vision and I'm just going, go, 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 but I need some, some wise people around me to say, hey, Heath, have you thought about this? Have you considered this? And I'm going like 110 miles an hour and, and to just pause and reflect and just think more about it is really helpful. Wise counsel. We all need it. It is prideful. It is arrogant for us to go through life without wise counsel, without seeking wise counsel. Whether it's your spouse or a friend or a coworker or a neighbor, somebody who's godly, somebody who's overflowing with that love, right, that depth of knowledge and insight, somebody who's connected to that true vine Jesus, and wisdom just overflows out of them. We need that. There's a verse in Proverbs that says, listen to counsel, Proverbs 19, 20, and accept discipline that you may be wise the rest of your days. Many plans are in a man's heart. If you want to make God laugh, by the way, tell him your plans, right? He laughs at me all the time. But the counsel of the Lord will stand. Many plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. We can experience the counsel of the Lord through the counsel of people, godly people. You know, I can't believe that we've only been here a year and a half. Moved here from Charlotte. It seems like you've been here for a long time because we have, we have gotten to know the heart of this community and y'all have embraced us with open arms and it's just been extraordinary. Lindsay and I are just so humbled by this community and by the support and just, it just feels like family. But as we were navigating through that decision to move here and to take this job, there, we had a lot of questions. We had a lot of questions, and I remember getting on my knees, and I remember asking God, and uh, that wasn't every day, um, but when I did, I, it just, I was so thankful, so thankful for the wisdom that God was giving me uh, through prayer and through other people. I, I would meet with people and ask them, hey, what do you think? And I was interviewing different places around the country, and, but there was this one opportunity here in Virginia Beach that just stuck out more than any other one. And it was, it was because of the opportunity to step into a healthy, growing church and, and help it go to the next level and reach the next generation and reach those who are far from God. Just great bones and great core group of people here. And it's exciting to be able to come alongside a founder like Michael, incredible leader who could mentor me and prepare me for the next chapter. There were so many things that God was lining up that as I would share this with people across lunch and breakfast, they would say, yes, Heath, we we see the need there, and we see your gifts and how your gifts could meet a need. And Frederick Buechner talks about that. He says, where your gifts meet the world's need, that's your sweet spot. That's where God's calling you. So we all want to be in a place, right, where the way that God has wired us can truly flourish and thrive, where we can make the biggest kingdom impact. So as I stand here today, it's as a result of much prayer and, and wise counsel and just so thankful to people that we've been able to journey with through the years that have helped us navigate through some of these difficult decisions. So we can know God through people. Know God through people. When we know God, we will be able to know what is best. Secondly, we, we can know God through prayer. Through prayer. David in Psalm 13 says this to God How long, Lord, 
Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? And he goes on to say, look on me and answer, Lord. I mean, whoa, that escalated quickly, right? David's being brutally honest with God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. (laughs) And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. I love how David comes to God here. He, He doesn't come to him just with careful words and big words and It's as pure, raw, unadulterated. He comes to him in a relationship. He comes to him uh, not not caring about being polite. And by the way, nowhere in Scripture does it say, be polite with God, right? Be, Be a gentleman with God. God is strong enough and mighty enough. He wants our doubts. He wants our fears. He wants us to come to him boldly and courageously and just lay it all out there, hiding nothing. I think some of us see our prayer life as this boring because we're not being real. We're just being too careful and too safe and we're worried about what to say or what not to say and God just wants us to come to him just wide open. We got nothing to hide, right? And it's through being authentic and raw in our prayers that that we'll become more intimate with God. Our relationship with him will go to whole another level. He didn't come to start a religion where we got to have everything in line, everything perfect, you got to say the right words. He came to start a relationship. And the best relationships are the ones where you can be totally open and honest about life and struggles. And that's what God wants from us. So David goes, goes to, to God, just laying everything out to him. And I love these lament psalms because you can struggle. It's okay to struggle and be honest with, with how you're doing. There's always a but halfway through, right? But, God, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Even though life doesn't feel good, you know that God is good. I trust in your unfailing love. I trust in who you are. See, David's being reminded of who God is. And by the way, David's being pursued by Saul. Saul's trying to kill him because Saul's jealous of David. And David's hiding, and he's, he's, trying to, he's trying to hide from this guy who's breathing out murderous threats towards him, Saul. And David's like, God, where are you? What are you doing? I'm surrounded by my enemies. But I trust in your love. I trust that you are good. See, David's being reminded of the character of God, even when his circumstances are changing by the minute. Knowing God through prayer. You know, one of the things I'm guilty of, and that's coming home and and asking Lindsay how her day was, and then she may pause for a second to think about it, and then I get distracted and I leave the room. How rude is that, right? Like, don't, don't judge me as a husband. But that happens sometimes, right? You get home and it's this routine question to ask, hey, how was your day? And then you get distracted and you don't really listen to the answer. And I think that's, that's true for many of us in our relationship with God. We, we ask something or maybe a series of things and it's this one-sided ordeal where God, give me this. God, how's this? God, how's this going? 
you know, ask, 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 give me, give me, give me, I need, I need. And then we, we don't take time to listen to him. In this life in the fast lane culture, I think we've been programmed to just go, 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 do, do, do. But God wants us to just be, to just bask in his presence and listen to his voice. And I say that, as a pastor, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I know some people have, and I don't, I, don't, I don't doubt it. But I do believe that the more that we are surrounding ourselves with godly people, the more that we're in his word, the more we'll know what his voice sounds like. We'll know what he desires. How many of us would love for God's voice to be louder? God, if you just make things clear. And he's telling us to turn down the volume of life. When we have the music blaring in our car, and I love dance parties in the car with the kids, uh, but if, I, if my daughter is trying to tell me something in the back, like she's too hot or too cold, or she's thirsty, I, I can't hear her very well, <laughs> right? Gotta turn down the music. Some of us need to turn down the volume on our lives. We need to turn off the phone, turn off the TV. We need to get away from people and just center ourselves with the Lord in quiet and solitude and silence. And listen to his voice. Let him work in our lives. Maybe God's not real to us because we're just going, 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 and doing, doing, doing. This verse, uh, this quote right here from Dag Hammerskold, uh, I clearly chose this quote because his last name is fun to say, Hammerskold. Uh, he's this Swedish economist. He says this, the best and most wonderful thing that can happen to you in this life is that you should be silent and let God work and speak. Wow. The best and most wonderful thing that you can do in any given day is that you sit and be still and let God speak to you and let him work in your life. God wants to speak to you and give you wisdom. Are you listening? Are you listening? Don't get to heaven someday and, and God's like, I don't know if this will actually happen, but uh, just can imagine God saying, hey, uh, well done, a good and faithful servant. But there, there, there were a bunch of things I wanted to tell you, you just weren't listening. <laughs> you know? A bunch of things I wanted, wanted to reveal to you, but you weren't listening. Know God through people. Know God through prayer. Know God through his word. Did you know that there's people risking their lives every day so that the Bible could be translated into some obscure tribal language in the corner of this earth somewhere? Did you know that? We came from Charlotte, and uh, there's this Wycliffe Bible tr translation ministry where they devote all their resources and time to translating the Bible in all these languages so that every person in the face of this, of this earth will be able to read God's word and hear the message of the gospel. And there are people smuggling Bibles into places in this world, risking their very lives. Yet, yet, we have Bibles collecting dust on our shelves. We have Bibles that we cruise right past every day because we have more important things to do or to read. We have Bibles in the palm of our hands, in our phones. We have access to the very true, pure, perfect word of God, access to wisdom, to discernment. Are we being a good steward of what God has provided 
us. We will be a church spring branch that, that will be dedicated to reading God's word, studying God's word, receiving his word, living out his word. His word will be our compass. It'll be our foundation. It'll be what guides us. May God's word be what guides you as a husband and mother, as a brother and sister. Know God through his word. You know, as we were confronted with the decision uh, whether or not to move here to Virginia Beach, it did help that there was a beach here. I felt like that was a sign from God. We've always been beach people. In fact, I, I, I think I said, hey, Lindsay, I think there's this new church. It's called Spring Beach. I mean, community church. Yeah, there's a beach there. Um, we were asking God to, to just show us signs. And Lindsay and I met with Michael. I, I may have shared this one time or another. And I shared this with Michael. But after we met with him for coffee, Lindsay says, hey, he wears the same cologne that my grandpa wore when he was a pastor. I'm like, there it is. There it is. That's the wisdom. That, that's the discernment we needed, the sign from God, right? It is meant to be. Um, but God, God communicated his will to us through different people and through prayer and through his word. But, you know, it was hard for us to move away from friends that we had developed deep, deep bonds with. We uh, moved down from Michigan to Charlotte back in, back in 03, and immediately we got connected with some other young couples who were having babies the same time we were, and changing jobs the same time we were. We had miscarriages together, ups and downs, highs and lows, and these are just lifelong people, right? They were actually in our small group. We could imagine journeying through life without some of these people, and a uh, quick small group plug, get into a small group if you're not in one. And so we, I started asking God, how is it possible for us to find these same kind of people in Virginia Beach? Surely these kind of people aren't there. I mean, these are special people. What, what, what are our kids and what friends are they going to have? And where are we going to live? And how are you going to provide for us? And what's this church going to be like? How can it measure up to the church we're currently a part of? And but the mission was clear, how God was calling me to go and preach his word and to help lead a local church to the next chapter. That mission was clear, and God kept telling me, Heath, don't compromise the mission that I've given you. Stay focused. Don't worry about all the hows and the wins and the wheres and the what ifs. I've got you. Just remember the who. Remember who I am. And I was reading Numbers eleven twenty three during that time. I'm like, God, reveal your will to me through your word. Show me something. And by the way, he doesn't say in the Bible like, hey, move to Virginia Beach or go to Spring Branch, you know, or go to this job or stay in that relationship. He doesn't lay it out specifically. I wish, wish he would. <laughs> There's some faith involved. <laughs> but I read this verse it's a verse, uh, it's, it's, it's God's statement to Moses when Moses was asking all these questions about the promised land and these people who were complaining, and God, why did you bring us out here and leave us to die, and why did you trust me as a leader? And God's like, hey, 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 slow down, Moses. I know you have decision fatigue, right? But just listen. Is my arm too short? Is my arm too short? That's God's way of saying, uh, am I limited in my power and how I can provide for you? God's like, hey, didn't I uh, rescue you from 
Egypt and deliver you from slavery and part the Red Sea. Remember that? Like the waters split and, you know, and as soon as you guys were on dry land, I let the waters down and, and all the Egyptians were perished. Remember that? Remember when I provided manna for you? <laughs> My arm's not too short. And it was God's way of saying to me and to Lindsay, I can do what seems impossible. I will provide you with new friends. I will provide you with a new place. And I'm gonna do a new thing, a great thing through you. Just trust me. My arm's not too short, right? I can provide in ways that you don't even know. I want you guys to know this morning, whatever you're bringing through these doors, doubts and fears, all kinds of questions, maybe you have decision fatigue, just know that God's arm is not too short, right? His arm is long enough. It is far-reaching, and there's nothing that he cannot do. Just trust him in your finances. Trust him in your relationships. Trust that he can do the unfathomable, the impossible. Ask him what is best. Ask him what is most honoring to him. God, I want to honor you above anything else. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, many of you know it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. This word straight means obvious. It means clear. It means clear. It's funny, before we even moved to Charlotte, we were up in Michigan, and again, we were praying, God, tell us what to do, where to move, what should we do? And um, we got this letter in the mail, and it said, move to Charlotte from God. I'm like, whoa, all right, <laughs> yes. It was my brother-in-law living in Charlotte. He had sent it to us, because <coughs> we had asked for a sign. And so, <clears throat> isn't that what we all want, right? Like, God, just write it in the sky, tell us what to do, what's best, where do we move? But God wants our path to be straight. It, he wants our path to be obvious. How, how is that possible? Well, it's possible when we trust him and trust who he is, when we know his very heart so intimately that our decisions will just overflow. His love for us will just overflow and we'll, we'll make decisions out of a heart that loves God. Know God through his word. Know God through prayer. Know God through wise counsel. And he will make our path straight. He'll make it obvious. He'll make it clear. What is most honoring to God? Let's put that question up there again. What is most honoring to God? And Annie Stanley uh, tagged this question, the best question ever. Uh, I, I wouldn't argue with him, Right? It's another way of saying, what would Jesus do, right? We've all had those bracelets at one time or another. What would Jesus do? What is most honoring to God in this moment? What is most honoring to God? This is a dangerous question. This is a question that we were designed to, to ask and designed to answer. This, this is the question that could transform our marriages. And I've known people who have asked this question uh, in the middle of their rocky marriage and, and they've, they've begun to ask this question and, and they, they ended up not fighting with each other anymore. They ended up fighting for each other. I've known people who have asked this question and, and where they were 
taking money for themselves, they started giving it away generously. I'm sure there have been some, some dads who have asked this question and, and they've traveled less in order to spend more time with their kids and their family. When we truly ask this question, what is most honoring to you, God? Not, not what is easiest, what is safest, what is the most convenient, what avoids the most conflict, what makes the most money? But God, what is most honoring to you? What is most honoring to you? I want you in this, in this moment to just commit to asking this question. Maybe there's an area in your life right now you can think of where you've not been asking this question. What is most honoring to God? And how do you know what honors God? Well, get to know God. <laughs> get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through other people. Knowing God helps us know what is best, what is excellent. At this time in our service, we receive gifts of grace. That's what we call them here at Spring Branch. It's, it's the offering. It's, it's a way for us to offer to God what he has already given us. It's not even ours to begin with. It's his, right? Our finances and the resources God has given us, we want to give back. And this is a tangible example of how we can, we can ask God, God, what is best? What is most honoring to you? How can I honor you with my finances? Just want to encourage you to give this morning. Give generously. Not because I'm telling you to, but because God lays it on your heart. You want to be a part of this big story, this beautiful story that God is writing here at Spring Branch. Thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for asking this question. What is most honoring to God? Let's pray. God, thank you for being generous towards us through Jesus. Um, you didn't just ask the question, okay, what's the safest thing you do? What's the easiest thing you do? But God, you, you asked the question, what is the best thing to do? When you saw our sin, when you saw our struggle, you asked, okay, what is the best thing for me to do? What is the excellent thing for me to do? And because you asked that question, you sent your son Jesus to this earth, demonstrating generosity to its fullest degree, ultimately laying down your life on the cross so that we would not perish, so that we could have eternal life with you in heaven. Thank you, Jesus, that you did what was excellent. You did what was best for us. Thank you. So God, may our lives be driven by what is best, by what is excellent, by what gives you the most honor and glory. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for all that you are. Pray all this in your beautiful son's name. Amen. You are here moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You 
I worship you. You are here. 